God hears and knows their suffering already. He acts on their behalf, works with them, delivers them. And because of all of that, that He is so absolutely involved in their grief and their suffering and in their deliverance, on the other side of the suffering, they've come to know Him better. They've grown a step from childhood to adulthood. They've grown from just sheer obedience to true relationship and trust. Okay? And that's the pattern we see. And I want to be very clear. When you look at a pattern like this, it never works perfectly. Let me give you an example. I find myself that there have been times where the pattern works just like this. Suffering endures in my life. I spend time absolutely crying out to God in my suffering and my pain. He shows up, comforts me, brings me through to the other end. But then there are also times, and I find this actually more the norm. Suffering comes into my life in some shape or form. And I find that the journey goes back and forth between lament, God hearing, lament, me having to be patient and wait on God. This section is probably the bulk of the journey. Because like I said this morning in the homily, God does one of two things with our lament. He steps right in and He journeys through the suffering. Not removing us from the suffering. But He journeys in an ever-present way. Letting us know that He is there. Giving us strength. Giving us endurance. To walk through the suffering. Ultimately at some point, at least for me so far, some people's suffering continues. And He continues to walk with them. For me, it's been, it comes to an end at some point, And I look back and I, I see what God has done. And I know Him so much more infinitely better from that. You know, it's like Psalm 23 says, The shepherd leads in a number of ways. He leads beside still waters, green pastures. But don't forget what it says. The shepherd also leads when they journey through the valley of the shadow of death. It has nothing to do with our death in our bodies. It's a big misconception. Remember what that means. To a shepherd, they called the valley of death a very treacherous path where there wasn't a lot of natural light, a lot of rocks, a lot of bushes where predators could hide, seeking to devour the flock. And the shepherd leads through those passageways, which are very scary to the sheep. You see, sometimes he leads us in that manner. What I want to start with today, before we go on in teaching, and I mentioned this last week, and I got an email to you this, this uh, past week, that I wanted you to reflect on this pattern and what we talked about last week. And I wanted you to look at your life. Look at your, at your past, at your life, and see how you can see this pattern. See how in the midst of suffering it created a lament, and God heard, knows that lament, and how He came to you, and you experienced Him in some way, and what it ultimately showed you about Him. Okay? So what I want to do is, I do want to open it up. I do ask this. Be brief. <coughs> okay? But what we're looking for is, how did you see this pattern? And, and just a testimony of what God did for you. Now, Kathy already mentioned to me first thing. She'd like to share something. Kathy's okay if you start us off. Sure. And please be nice and loud so everybody can hear, especially with the air conditioning running. Okay, I'll stand up. Thank uh, you. Up here, here, on, a, on my chair. 
Um, we live in a broken world, and we don't realize it sometimes until we start to suffer. And I will say that uh, my greatest suffering was the loss of my husband. And everyone was here, and they knew. And I was very distressed and very upset and uh, kept it in a lot. But the thing that helped me so much, the way God revealed himself to me, the way God came to me and walked with me, was through everyone. Through Father Mark, through Deacon Ken, through Karen, through Dee. I mean, I texted Dee that Larry was in the hospital, and she said, I'll be there. And she came. And, you know, so I know that everyone was praying for me. I felt it. I knew it, and it gave me such a peace. And I have received uh, a lot of questions and a lot of comments from various people, not only in this church, but in my community where I live in Bluffdale, and that is, my, you were really changed by this, Kathy. You were really changed by this. You, Karen was another person that helped me so much. You, you were truly changed by this, and we can see that change in you, and we love you more than ever. And we know that you love God, and we do too. I'll cry too much. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> no, no, no. You keep talking. Kleenexes go out to everybody, so I have a seat. But that, oh, no, that's very wonderful. I had a feeling that might be what you shared. And I want to tell you, I watched that. And it was really unbelievable to me. Always. God is, he goes so far beyond what we anticipate or imagine he can do for people. And watching what he did, sustaining you, you told me once, he's so present. He's so present. Oh, yes. That was it. Hmm? Yes, that's right. And, and two other things that have occurred since the death of my husband, and one was the death of my brother, and I walked with him through that, so because I talked to him frequently, and now my brother-in-law is very ill. So God is with me, and I just say, God's will be done. And I would imagine, tell me if you agree, seriously, tell me if you agree with this. Okay. You can disagree, it's fine. Even publicly, you can disagree, it's fine. Thank you. <laughs> What you gained from His presence with you, your knowledge of Him, how much has trust grown? Oh. <clears throat> you know Him. Yes. Far more than you did before. And you'll know Him again through the next, right? Okay, very good. Thank you so much for sharing that. Somebody else? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. yeah um, please. When I married Chris, I... I, I was looking for. I knew that was going to bring suffering. I knew that was going to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it's going. It's <laughs> <laughs> a real story. It's not about Chris suffering. No, it's not. Anyway, I wanted to marry somebody who believed in God, and in Holland, not a lot of men do. So I found Chris. He believed in God truly. But he was Catholic and I was Protestant. We married anyway, although from the beginning there was always a part. Because he was really Catholic and I was really Protestant. Yeah. And we fought and fought and fought, but we knew we wanted, we both believed in God. Anyway, long story short, we did this for 10 years. 
And through that, in the morning, we usually went to the Protestant church where you were a worship leader, mm -hmm. and then in the afternoon to the Catholic church, and our girls said, we're Protestant Catholics, people said, there's no such thing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's us. Anyway, I tried very hard to become Catholic, very hard. Didn't work. Then Katrina hit, we had to leave. We were uh, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and Chris was trying to find a church during the week. Well, it's the Bible Belt. He walked to the church, he thought it was Catholic, we walked up for communion, and the priest said, are you Orthodox? He's like, no, but I'm Catholic. Give me the communion. <laughs> so Chris comes back, and he said, I found a church we both can join. And by that time, it was not that I didn't believe that God could do that, but we have tried so many ways, and it didn't work. So it was like, oh, really? And then we started investigating it, and this was in October. In January, we found St. Peter, and then... April, we both, we were all Orthodox, and that has been such a peace and a wealth of, um, I don't know, it's been our life, so it's just amazing that at some point you think, okay, I tried really hard, we both tried really hard, this is always going to be this, you know, rocky thing in our relationship, and then God said, no, here you go. You came home. Suffering, for both of you. Suffering created a need. The, the, the need created me searching for a church in the middle of the week, which never happened. <laughs> and then and the rest is the story. You know? Yeah, and, and and you know, she mentioned me being the worship leader at a church. You know, we, we, we you know most of you know that we knew them from New Orleans. In fact, when I was a priest in the CEC, they were visiting our parish and celebrating and liturgy Father with us. Our priest and Chris said no, and I yeah. thought I was going to die. Because at that point, I'm seriously, because at that point I thought, we have it now. Chris, this is it. And yeah. he's like, no, you're still here to well, Chris to everybody. It, 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 was, it was a Catholic church. Yes. It was just a break-off. That's another yes. story. Right. Yes. But, but it was just... It didn't add up, you know. It just, to me, it just didn't add up because everyone was yeah. going to communion that was from the Protestant church. I'm like, what that anyway, Anyhow, so that's, we, that's too much. Yeah. We watched this journey. We really did. And then the amazing thing for God to send me here, yes, not even like, knowing they were here. When that I is when you know this. God has a great sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> so right here and loves you so yes. incredibly much <laughs> to pull all that together. Uh, what year did you come to our church? Uh, 2006. Yeah, right after Katrina. Katrina yeah. was in August, and thank by you. January we were here. Yeah, yeah. that is just a really cool, like, nobody can make it up but God. Right. It's a puzzle yeah. to fit together. I call that the helpless victim of a God thing. That's what happened to you. That's right. That's right. Jeff? Um, you know, God moves in different ways and leads you in different directions. And um, we, uh, we were aware of St. Peter's classical school and gone to St. Peter's, our daughter did, in lower school. And Jeanette Johnson got married and moved away, so we moved to another school. Well, it ended up where we put Jane in in Nolan High School. And she started suffering depression and anxiety. wouldn't go to school. And it was talking about suffering between Ann and I. Boy, it was tough. We didn't know what to do. We were besides ourselves. We didn't know what are we going to do. By coincidence, we found out Jeanette was back. We called her and told her the story, and I said, I've got some questions. And she said, is one of them, will we take Jane Ann back? 
I said, yes. She goes, of course, as quick as you can get here. So we did. We came back to St. Peter's and said, don't know how wonderful the school is. And we still had to fight through it. The school worked with us and helped us. And we didn't go to church at all. And Ann had been on me forever and ever to go to church. And when we were around St. Peter's, we knew Father Anthony, you know, years and years ago. We always thought this was a really nurturing place. And we knew the teachers, we knew people who went here, but we didn't go to church. And we were both raised Protestant. And one Sunday morning, we uh, were sitting there, and I think I was reading the sports page, and Ann was watching something on TV, and we looked at each other, and we said, I can't. I think Ann's one that said, let's go. And I knew exactly what she was talking about. We got in the car and drove straight here, and there hadn't been a Sunday since that we had. Because of that, God led us to become Orthodox Christians. And we went down the path where we were suffering and didn't know besides ourselves. But because of that path, here we are now, and, and we couldn't be in a better place in our entire lives. We love it. We've got so close to so many of you guys. We feel like we've known you for 20, 30 years. And we are blessed. God led us here. And I truly believe that. Thank you, Jeff. That's the suffering. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. I'll share one with you. Uh, some of you I've told this, this testimony to. Um, when I was 15 years old, my parents separated. The ones y'all have met. My parents separated. Now you know what that does to a 15 year old. I was going through a lot of suffering. ton of confusion. This is a Christian home. This is not supposed to happen. But they were. They separated. They've been separated for about a month. And I was going through, really hell is what it felt like uh, as a teenager. And I'm very, because of that, I'm very sensitive to teenagers that go through. I know what this feels like. The possibility, where's this going? Well, you got to admit, one of the possibilities is divorce. And we're living together. And right about that time, the youth group that I was involved with was going to a Christian concert of a group uh, called Second Chapter of Acts. They've been gone for a long time, but it was a brother and two sisters whose actually their ministry was born out of lament. The sister was an older sister. The two, the two, uh, the brother, the other brother and sister were teenagers when both parents died in a car accident, and they went and lived with their older sister who was married. And the their their healing. And the way that God met them was when they would sit at a piano and sing together to Him. That was the way they expressed their lament. So that's how their ministry was born. So I I loved them. I knew them. I appreciated their ministry because it really was a ministry, not about the dollar like the Christian industry has become these days. So normally in their concerts, midway through the concert, uh, they will do a little sharing of the gospel message. Well, this time, uh, the older sister got up and, and she started to share. She stopped and said, there is a teenage boy whose parents are separated. I'd like you to stand up because I want to pray for you. Now, listen, there are thousands of people here. <laughs> 20 boys had to have been 20 boys my age, teenagers, stood up and she prayed. And I really appreciated her prayer for us. Well, after the concert... They uh, would come out to meet and greet folks 
say hello to him. I just wanted to go up to Annie was her name, who prayed. I wanted to go up to her and thank her for her prayer. It was very meaningful to me. And so I did. And when I went up to her, she looked at me and she said, your name is Mark, isn't it? Well, she had my attention. (laughs) And she said, I know that your parents are separated and I feel your suffering. And I really would like to pray for you right now. You're, You're the one that I want to pray for. And so she did pray for me. And as she prayed, I have never to. Rarely in my life have I experienced such a tangible, complete presence of God with me. And after the prayer, she looked at me and said, in a short time, your parents are going to be back together. And within a week, my parents were back together. I was suffering, and all these things that I heard of testimonies, we suffer, it creates a lament. When we turn Godward, we pray. That's what we're doing this whole series for, is to understand this language of lament. God hears. He already knows. He knew you lost your husband. He knew you guys needed a church, and He also knew your daughter's situation. He knew about your situation, that as a union, He he knew that He wanted you to share a faith, a completeness of faith together. He knew my pain, you see. And He stepped right into all of it, and He revealed Himself. And like I asked Kathy, and I could ask anyone that shared, and anyone that didn't, Going through a process like that, we now know God like we did not before. And there's no way around it. This is His desire. This is how He takes the fallenness of the world, all the pain and the suffering that comes with the result of such fallenness. And He steps into time, our time. And He redeems not only the suffering, He redeems us by revealing Himself to us. It's like we said last week when we looked. I remember I shared, uh, I think it was the Matins that morning was Psalm 80. Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts. After, after this litany of, of lament, turn us, O Lord God of hosts. Show the light of thy countenance. That word countenance, be present. Show your face. Show us. Let us know you're here. Reveal yourself to us. And we shall be what? Whole. That's how God is redeeming these things. So, what I want to take the last 20 minutes of our class to do today, and I think I'll be able to do it, and thank all who shared and all who didn't. Thank you for considering this. I pray it it remember you help you remember things, which is what we're going to talk about today. I decided that today, with the sharing we might be doing, it would be a good idea to talk about one absolutely necessary ingredient to the lament of God's people. And it's the only ingredient that I'm... Well, all lament is positive, but I think you're going to understand what I mean. It leans on the positive side of of our lament. And it's this. I'm going to write something on the board. These things I remembered. In the Psalms, which teach us how to pray, numerous times in the Psalms, in the midst of Psalms of lament, 
you'll have this lamenting going on about whatever it is that's an expression of the suffering that either David or Asaph or any of the other psalm writers are talking about. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of that lament, lamentation psalm, you hear words, but these things I remembered. And then that person who is writing the psalm will talk about what they remember of what God has done in the past. Part of our lament is remembering, remembrance in the truest Christian sense now. These people in the Psalms at that time, remember God's people were not filled with the Holy Spirit. Pentecost had not happened. And even then, in the midst of their psalms, in the midst of their lament to God about their suffering, they pause and say, no, these things I remembered. You did this for our people. You did this for me. And they're bringing that remembrance into the now. And when you look at all of the psalms, when it comes to remembrance, it's usually one of two different types of remembrance. It's either remembrance of the works of God done on behalf of them or God's people, or it's a remembrance of the very nature of God that they learned from those events. So it's either remembering the acts of God or remembering who He is. Okay? And what I want to do is take you very briefly to two two different psalms that show this act of remembrance in, in lament. And one is an example of remembering the works of God, and one is is an example of remembering the nature of God. Because they direct their attention in the midst of their grief to God, who He is. The first one I'm going to give you is from Psalm 77. It's a psalm of Asaph, not of David. And I want you to listen for the lament. I'll point it out. And then we'll listen to the remembrance. Beginning in verse 1. I'll skip around a little bit just so you get the gist of the lament. I cried out to God with my voice. To God with my voice, and He gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will He be favorable no more? Has His mercy ceased forever? And I said... This is my anguish. You hear the lament, the pain. Will will mercy ever show up at my doorstep in the midst of this? That's what he's saying, right? Then listen to what he says. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders as of old. I will meditate on all your work. And talk of your deeds. And then he takes time in that psalm to go through the list of deeds done. He's not just going to say, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to tell you back to you, Lord, what you have done. I'm in anguish. I'm calling out for mercy, but I will remember these things. Okay? And then he ends up in verse 20 saying, How you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And that whole litany of remembrance was about how God had led his people. All the things, water from the side, from the side of the rock, manna in the desert, and so on. You get the picture. In the mint of all of his anguish, these things are remembered. He brings what God did into the past, I mean, from the past. 
And he brings it where? Into the right now. Into the midst of his suffering. Okay, you see that? It's part of lament. In fact, praise is part of lament. Now, give me another example of the psalm from the Psalms of this remembrance in the midst of lament. It comes from Psalm 42. And this is a remembrance not of the works of God, but the nature of God. Okay? So let's again let's listen for the lament, the remembrance, and the nature of God. Now we know how this one begins. It's very familiar to us. Psalm 42, a Psalm of David. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why so disquieted within me? Do you hear the lament? You're going to start hearing the redirection now. Okay? Why are you so cast down, O my soul? Why so disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise Him for the help of His countenance. That countenance, again, that word, presence. The help of His presence showing Himself to me. O God, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you. Here we go. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the hill Mizar. The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night, His song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. See, here He's not remembering a particular work of God. He's is remembering what He knows about God. How does He know it? Because He's been through this before. And he has experienced in his life the loving kindness of God. And again, all of us who shared about our suffering, God meeting us in the suffering, getting us through it, we all said we know him better. David has has gotten to know him better. He is in anguish. His soul is in a dry and thirsty land. His tears, he talks about all of that. But I will remember you are the God of loving kindness. Do you see how remembrance is part of lament? And it's a necessary part. Because if you take remembrance out of suffering, hopelessness enters in. Unless you bring God Himself and all that He has done, and you refocus in the midst of suffering, from all the suffering around you, to press through, to fix your gaze, even if for a moment, on remembering the Lord your God, bringing Him from the then back into the now. When I say bringing Him into the then and back into the now, you know God hasn't gone anywhere. What's really happening by the discipline of remembrance in lament? We are being reawakened to His presence with us that has never left. But when we are going through such suffering and all of our filters and all of our goggles as far as how we see life are absolutely skewed because of the pain that we're in in any given moment. We are redirecting by remembrance, wiping off the goggles so that we can see Him clearly. And God honors that lament. 
He honors that remembrance by the gift of His presence. I told you that that remembrance, really what it is, is it's praise. And what does Scripture say about praise? That God inhabits it. He makes it His throne. He makes praise His dwelling place. When we shift and we begin to remember, He's there. And He lets us know that He's there. That is why in all of our you please, cry out in anger to God when you're suffering. Yeah, you heard me say that. Cry out in anger to God. We'll look at that later. Cry out for mercy in your pain. Tell Him all, just talk about all the things going on. All of that is fine. Don't let it be with an absence of remembrance. We're casting ourselves, we're dashing ourselves against Him with all of the pain and our humanity in the midst of that pain. But when we start the remembrance part, things start getting redirected. And our Lord honors that in that way. You know, we're talking about the Old Covenant and how they were not filled in union with God by baptism through the Holy Spirit and so on, right? And yet they still did this. How much more is remembrance so very real and vital to our lives? Those of us who have been filled with God. The entirety of the Godhead dwells here. What's Eucharist? Do this in what? Okay, so let's stop there. I want you to think about something. Have you ever thought about? Because when I was thinking about lament, remembrance, this pattern this week, do you not understand that the entire Mass is that pattern? The church teaches us we become that which we what? Pray. Do. Yeah, pray. But do, right? God gave us the Mass in its structure. You've heard me talk about this before, that it's an ascension from where we are to where He is every time we do Mass. By grace, by the Holy Spirit, we start here, but we are in a direction of always ascending to be with Him. Can I show you some of how lament and remembrance ebb and flow throughout Mass? One of the first things we do in Mass is we cry out for what? Mercy. We do the Kyrie. Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. I bet you if I, if I were to do word association or ask you a question just to get a quick answer, and I said, what are we crying out for mercy? What are we crying out for mercy for? That most of you would say our sins. And that's not an incorrect answer. It's just an incomplete one. <coughs> Do you realize that the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, it's crying out for mercy from whatever you need. Are you suffering? Are you going through suffering? Then we cry out, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy in the midst of my suffering. Are we struggling in our sins? Then we cry out for mercy over our sins. You are bringing, what is it that we offer in Mass? Ourselves. Where are we? 
Where are we in life when we come through those doors? We bring ourselves to Him and the first thing we do is lament. We lament from suffering. Whether it's suffering because of sin or suffering in life, it doesn't matter. We, we need mercy for both, do we not? And is He not the God of mercy over both? And so we bring that to Him. Then we get to the Gloria and we, we, get, a little, we get a little remembrance and praise, don't we? But don't forget the Gloria is also sprinkled with lament. Because in the Gloria, we say, Thou that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Thou that takest away the sins of the world, receive our prayer, hear us. And then the glory moves again to remembrance. For thou only art holy. What I say remembrance was, it's either remembering the acts of God or the nature of God. And here we remember the nature of God. Thou that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. For thou only art holy, thou only art the Lord, thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. We're ebbing and flowing between our expression of grief of lament, but also the remembrance part of lament. Let me skip ahead. What about the general confession? Can anybody remember what we say in our, some of the things that we say in our general confession? Anyone? Think about it. What do we bewail? Our manifold sins. What, wait, what, did you hear that word? Bewail. We lament over our sins. We earnestly repent. We are grieving and we are calling out for divine mercy. And then, who shows up? Our God. The God of forgiveness and mercy shows up and grants us absolution to ease our suffering, to wash us clean, and to empower us to go and sin no more. In the canon of the Mass, boy, do we get into remembrance, don't we? Do we not reenact the entire fellowship of Christ and His disciples who so desired to share Himself with His disciples? And we go through the whole process. And remember for us what that remembrance means. We dip back to 2,000 plus years ago. That's true. But God, by grace and by His Holy Spirit, makes that infinitely present in that moment. We are His disciples that He is breaking bread. And He is lifting up the cup and blessing. And He is offering us the most absolute point of intimacy where He physically joins Himself to us. Why? Show the light of Thy countenance that we may be whole. I put to you that the Psalms and our Mass I'll even go further. I don't have time to get into this right now but I thought about this too this week. All of our prayer services is lament filled with remembrance. Why? Because by doing them over and over again, when, not if, when we have to endure suffering in this life, we are ready to go to God with our lament, which includes remembrance. Now there's much more to lament 
than just these things I remembered. But I wanted to give you that one ingredient today. And I pray if you are in the process of going through some suffering, turn your attention to that as you cry out to God. We will learn more about lament as we look at the lives, uh, we look at at Job, David, and we see how their suffering brought about the lament, how it was expressed so that we learn from these people as to how best to avail ourselves to God in suffering to experience Him. Know Him better and be made whole. Let's stand.